0: Welcome to the Nimrod Outdoors Podcast, where we challenge and equip men, husbands, and fathers to become the spiritual leaders of the home. Let's dive right in. Welcome to the Nimrod Outdoors Podcast. Who is Nimrod Outdoors, anyways? We are a nonprofit ministry that focuses on educating and equipping men to accept and understand their biblical role as a spiritual leader of their home. Through this podcast, our 30-day devotional, The Hands of a Warrior, and physical men's events, we are devoted to encouraging men through the Word of God. We have a heart for the family and believe that it's the man's job to spiritually lead his family through his words, actions, and personal relationships with God. To learn more about Nimrod Outdoors, please visit nimrodoutdoors.com or search for Nimrod Outdoors Ministries on Facebook or Instagram. You can find these links in the podcast notes below. Thanks so much for tuning in today, and we hope you enjoy today's podcast. Well, what's going on, guys? This is M.A. Dozier with another Nimrod Outdoors podcast, um, and I'm excited to be with you guys today and dive into God's Word and really see what He has for us. Um, The scripture in which we are going to be dealing with today is in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. Um, This is the story of the prodigal son, or maybe one one title that you have is the lost son, if you're reading through the NLT, uh, which I will be today. Um, And so we're going to dive into that and really try to understand what it means to raise our kids uh, in a biblical way. Fashion, uh, rather than a cultural or a traditional fashion, um, and so it's going to be good. But I want to give you a little bit of a story um, of the reason why this was laid on my heart. Um, and I try week to week just focus on my days and and what's going on around me, um, and just allow the Lord and the Holy Spirit to kind of speak to me. And uh, it was a couple weeks ago, uh, we were at soccer. Chelsea and I are coaching soccer this fall. Um, and I should say that Chelsea's coaching soccer. I am the assistant and basically What that means when you're dealing with four-year-olds and six-year-olds is just uh, herding chickens and just listening to what Coach Chelsea has to say and uh, backing her up and trying to keep the kids uh, somewhat organized and in fashion. Um, But we're coaching uh, for Matthias. He's our four-year-old, his little team. And also our daughter Ridgely, who's six, we're coaching her team as well, and so uh, we're spending Saturday mornings on on the soccer field, uh, and uh, it's been great, and we've really enjoyed it. Um, it's fun to do something as a family. It's pretty cool that both kids are involved in it, um, and so it's it's really something the family's enjoying. But one Saturday a couple weeks ago, uh, they play they play games on Saturday. Uh, and so we were out there, Matthias's game had just ended, uh, Ridgely's game was just fixing to begin, and so Chelsea was kind of in a hurry to get over there um, to Ridgely's team to start coaching for them. And so I was dealing with our parents and dealing with, hey, we'll see you for practice on Tuesday, and handing out the kids snacks and all that stuff. So I was a little late going over to Ridgely's game, and in the process of me getting things cleaned up, um, there was another, another game going on. And uh, one of the players on the other on the other field, um, basically, he got to the ball at the same time as another player and they went to kick it. Well, the player missed the ball and kicked this kid in the kneecap and uh, the kid just fell to the ground. Um, and as it may be, I was literally standing right on the sidelines directly behind this kid that got kicked in the knees parents. Um, and immediately when he went down, I could tell he was trying to hold in a cry. He was trying not to cry. And his dad stood up and said, get up boy. You're all right. Get up. Let's go. Get after the ball. Come on, let's go. Um, and the mom kind of just sat there and the boy just all of a sudden just lost it and just started crying. Um, and the dad was just still kind of giving him some tough love and saying, get up, come on, you're all right. Let's go. Um, and the boy just slowly began to fade further and further into crying and um, he tried to get up but he couldn't walk i mean i'm sure he got charlie horse right on the kneecap um, and he started walking over and when he started walking over the dad just kind of through his body language expressed like disappointment and uh, disdain while the mom kind of grabbed him and was giving him some water and trying to comfort him and he was crying and Uh, You know, the dad kind of sat there with his arms crossed silent and didn't even like look at the kid while he was with his mom. And then finally, after an awkward maybe 15 or 20 seconds, looked over and said, come on, man up, get back in the game. Let's go. Um, And man, for me, like I look at that and I'm like, that's right. Raise that boy right. Teach him to be tough. Teach him to get out there like there's no participation trophies. Let's go. That's my DNA, and so I saw this, and I kind of was snickering because that's how I, I feel like I would have handled the situation. Um, and you know, I want to raise my boy Matthias to be tough. I want him to be able to run through brick walls. I want him to be uh, mentally tough, physically tough. Um, I want him to be somebody that is a pillar uh, when he gets older. I want to help build him a foundation that he is rock solid on. Um, and in that case, in my opinion. And apparently in this other dad's opinion, there is no room for, um, you know, crying. There's no – I grew up playing baseball. There's no crying in baseball. heard that all the time. Well, the truth is in soccer, I guess, too. Uh, there's no crying in soccer. Um, and what I find really funny is that kid, like, went back on the field and the dad looked over and he said, I'm, I'm too used to football, I guess. And uh, so there's that DNA driven into that dad as far as, like – Hey, you hold your tears back. You're going to get out there. You're going to battle. You're going to go to it. There is no coming off the field. There is no hugs from mama. Um, and so I saw that and I, I kind of chuckled to myself because I was like, man, I get it, dad, get after it. Um, but in that moment, the Holy Spirit kind of like revealed to me something. And 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 I started like looking at that situation and looking at how I raise my kids. And I am I am unashamedly about the same way as that dad, Um, even in a 30 day devotional, I wrote, um, I I write a whole chapter on raising my kids and talking about how my natural bent is, hey, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes, get up and let's go. Um, If you're going to do something stupid, expect something stupid in return. Um, That is who I am. And that's my natural bent. And I feel like as men, we're kind of wired that way. Um, But what the Holy Spirit began to reveal to me was, is what you just witnessed in and is what is in your heart and how you prefer to parent, is that biblical or is that just cultural or traditional? Um, and man, I, I began to really mull over that and look at that and say, OK, is how that dad handled that? And is how I it, I mean, I would have admittedly been in the exact same situation as that dad if it was my kid, Um Would I have handled it biblically or would I have handled it culturally? And as I began to dive into that, um, I I was reminded of the story of the prodigal son in uh, Luke chapter 15. And really what I've heard about and learned about in the past is how this dad in this story of the prodigal son, um, in the story in which Jesus is telling in this parable, um, how this dad handled things completely different than what culture or tradition would have told him to handle it. Um, And so I really wanted to dive into this today because it is beginning to make me reassess how I raise my kids and how I push them further and further into the image of Christ Um, And so really the two questions I have, and I'll reiterate them, I kind of just said them earlier, but is how and through what lens am I raising my kids? Am I raising them through a biblical lens or am I raising them through a cultural lens? Um, And so let's dive in now that we have those questions. Let's dive into Luke chapter 15, verses 11. Uh, I'm going to read 11 through 23 to start off with. Um, And it says this. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, but his father said to his servants quick bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him get him a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening we must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now returned to life he was lost but now he is found so the party began so actually that went to verse 24 but you know, we read this, um, and I, I if you're familiar with Scripture, you've probably read this or heard this story many times where this young man, you know, got uh, greedy and uh, jealous and said, hey, Dad, I want half of everything that is mine, uh, and I'm going to go. And he went off and he squandered it and uh, it says that he was uh, lost all his money to wild living, um, and then he found himself in the pit of despair of the bottom of the barrel. Um, and as a, as a Jewish man, feeding pigs is absolutely ridiculous um, because pigs are considered unclean. So the fact that he was—I mean, they are—if uh, you feed pigs or if you've ever been to a pig farm, you know how nasty it is. And then even in Jewish tradition and culture, it was— even nastier because they considered pigs to be an unclean animal. And so by even touching them, uh, you were considered spiritually unclean. And so for him to get to that point was is pretty unbelievable. Um, But I don't really want to focus on the son here. I want to focus on the father and really focus on verses 20 through 24 and what the father did and how the father handled the return of his son. And so it says in verse 25, it says, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. And so what does this resemble? You know, this shows that his father was, was actively looking for him. Um, you know, a lot of times in any time we are doing something, most of the time we are so focused on what is right in front of us. We get tunnel vision um, and we can't see beyond uh, what we are in that the process of what we're doing. But this shows that the father was actively and consistently and constantly looking to the horizon, looking for his son to return. And so his father saw him coming. And it says this, filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. So here's what's interesting to me. It says that the dad was filled with love and compassion. Now, now as a father, I can read this. And my statement earlier of how I raise, like my natural bent of raising my kids is play stupid games, win stupid prizes, no mercy. Um, That's just life. Get over it. Get tough. Let's go. Um, John Wayne also has a a famous line that uh, I think goes along with that is, uh, you know, I tell my son this all the time, son, if you're going to be stupid, you better be tough. Um, but reading this, this father had a, a different response than I think I would have. You know, if my son Matthias came to me and said, dad, I want everything that's mine. And he got up and left. And we don't really know how long it was. But let's say six months later, he comes back um, completely broke. He's nasty. Uh, he's probably muddy. He's been feeding the pigs and all that stuff. My natural response to that would be, hey, if you're going to be stupid, you better be tough, right? Um, and Or I told you so. Or, hey, you deserve this. Or, hey, that, that's the bed that you made. Go lay in it. Um, that is my natural bent. And thats I think that's a large, large degree of how most of us men in America— would face it. Like, pull yourselves up by your bootstraps. You made this. Deal with the consequences. But that's not how this father dealt with this. It says that he was filled with love and compassion. And then it says this, and then he ran to his son. Well, here's the thing. A little, a little history into Jewish culture is, if you saw a man, especially an elderly man, running, it was considered undignified it meant that you were in a hurry it meant that you did not have your affairs in order and so for this dad to run to his son for that to be in the text here and for the, for Jesus to express that to the people he was talking to about this story they would have known that oh here is a a an elderly jewish man that is running like that is undignified that is showing you know showing that you do not have it all together but Jesus intentionally put this in there saying he ran to him. And then it says, and he embraced him and he kissed him. Well, here's another thing, okay? Not only was he filled with love and compassion, which I can admit that I would have a hard time probably doing that. It says that he ran to his son. So therefore, he was dishonoring himself and his family for anybody that could see. He was running, which is, was you know a cultural and traditional no-no in that time. And then it says he embraced him. Now, what is interesting about embracing him, like we talk about hugging, I hug my son all the time, but what you got to know is how nasty this son has to be. He has been wallowing around with pigs, feeding pigs. And so not only is he physically nasty, not only has he, is he physically unclean, but he's been wallowing around with pigs. And so therefore he is spiritually unclean and, and anybody that associates with this unclean person then becomes unclean themselves. But this father did not care. This father did not have any desire to do nothing but love his son. And so he embraced him, which, again, that is against cultural and traditional, you know, bounds in that time. And then he kissed him. So not only did he embrace him and and take in all the nastiness and the odor and the, the slop of pigs And become physically unclean. He became spiritually unclean. And then he took it a step further and he planted a kiss on his son. And so therefore putting the lips to the nastiness itself, you know, that that goes against the grain of society. It even goes against the grain of society today, much less the Jewish culture then. And so you see this dad that even though he has a son that is very deserving of shame and punishment, And even the son himself said, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Let me be a servant. This dad lavishly gave love and compassion and defied all cultural and traditional practices in the pursuit of loving and raising his child. See, what did he do? He ran to him, he embraced him, and he kissed him. He took everything of cultural and tradition and threw it out the window and really ultimately showed the love of Jesus to this son, no matter what this son had done. And so I think a lot of times when I'm raising my kids, you know, I've been brought up by my dad, right? My dad, my granddad, those are the men that have kind of shaped me. Our culture shapes us and how we raise our kids. Um, If you look at different cultures around the world right now, everybody kind of has a different perspective on raising their kids and I think a lot of times and even in the past six years you know my oldest is six and the past six years I look at raising my kids and I look at you know what does it look like to have good kids or be good parents man a lot of what I have held up on a pedestal is is cultural it, it is what society deems as being a good parent like, yeah, I want my kids to say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. I want them to be respectful. I want them to take ownership of things. I don't want them to lie. I don't want them to, you know, do these things that go against society's grain. But ultimately, is my main focus on building them into the, the perfect kid in the eyes of the American society? Or is, or is my main focus in building them to be the perfect kid quote unquote perfect kid in the eyes of God and what does that biblically look like? And does that mean that in order to raise them biblically, I have to drop cultural and traditional mindsets on occasion in order to build them up? Is it in my life, will there come an instance in which I have to shame myself just as this dad did by By running to meet his son, that was a cultural shame. That was a cultural no no. Is there going to be a time in my life in order to show my kids how much God loves them and to raise them and to build a strong biblical foundation? Is there going to be a time in which I have to allow the rest of society to maybe look at me and say, man, you are not a good parent because it goes against and it defies the cultural and traditional construct of what it means to be a good parent here in America? That's a big question. Um, And I wrestle with this every day. I wrestle with, you know, how am I raising my kids? And is this, is my, you know, pet peeves or something that I'm like trying to force into them and ingrain into them and, and build them up in, is it rooted in God? And is it rooted in the gospel? Or is it rooted in the cultural? And traditional ways of the American, the American mindset, um, and so those are questions we have to wrestle with. But I can I can tell you, growing up, like again, I said, our parents, our dads, uh, my dad, my granddad, um, they have a tremendous influence in how we view the world, um, and and that's not all bad. You know, our my dad was a very biblical and spiritual. Uh, Force in my life. Um, he was very intentional of raising me in the spiritual realms, um, but also raising me uh, in the mindset of, hey, you work hard for what you get. Um, you know, hard work pays off. Um, hustle. Uh, you know, I, I can remember playing in sports. My dad was like, there should be no reason why you are not hustling on the field. Don't be lazy. Um, these are all kind of the mindset that was ingrained in me for my dad. My dad. Uh, was a very successful business owner, owned his own business, um, but he didn't own his own business by sitting in a chair. Um, He was out there hustling just like the rest of his employees, getting things done. And so I saw my dad being a very hardworking man, and he instilled that in me. Um, He instilled integrity and character in me. Um, And so those are great things. I'm not saying that we should just take everything that our dads have done and throw it out the window, Um, but we have to start viewing how we raise our kids through the lens of the gospel and through the lens of how God created us and how God loves us. Um, and, and even if that means defying and going against culture um, and what culture says is a great way to raise our kids. And so I can remember growing up, especially when I got to high school um, and started driving, my dad uh, gave me a, a talk basically. And he said this, he said, look, I don't want want you to ever be drinking. I don't want you to ever be doing drugs. I don't want you to ever be doing things that you shouldn't be doing. He said, but if you ever get yourself into a situation in which you have been drinking or you have been doing drugs and it is unsafe for you to drive yourself home or you're in a situation where you didn't intentionally, maybe it was unintentional, but you've got yourself into a situation that is dangerous and you need someone to bail you out, He said, I want I want you to call me first. Um, And and he said, look, he said in that moment, I'm going to come get you and I'm I'm going to rescue you out of whatever situation you're in. Um, I'm going to bring you home, he said, and we're not going to talk about it that night. He said the next day, if something like that happens, he said, we are going to talk about it and there will still be consequences. But he wanted he wanted me to know that he loved me enough that. He would squelch his anger and he would put off the consequences of, of my actions until he knew I was back home safe. And that gave me free reign to know that my dad loved me no matter what and no matter what I was going to do, he was going to love me and he was going to be there for me. He was going to be, uh, be somebody that was a pillar in which I could call in a time of need um, And here's the truth of the matter. I was a really good kid, and so I never, never had to take him up on that offer. Um, But that is something that I'm going to portray onto my own kids is when they get of age, I'm going to say, hey, look, if you ever find yourself in an unsafe situation, if you ever find yourself in a situation in which um, you've maybe made a poor choice, I want to be that first phone call. And I want to come get you because I love you more than anybody else can. And so... They may take me up on that offer. I don't know. Uh, time will tell. Um, I have three kids. And so we will see what that looks like as we get down the road. But that is something in which my dad, I think, reflected a lot of what you see in the story of Jesus uh, telling about the lost son was, hey, I'm going to love you and I'm going to give you compassion at all costs and on the back side we'll talk about the consequences and talk about what this looks like but in the moment um, i just want you to know that i love you and that you are safe um, and so that's something that my dad provided for me growing up that i think was very very influential knowing that i didn't have to go around you know hoping my dad never found something out um, there was nothing that i could do that was going to squelch his love Now there are still consequences and there are still repercussions to my actions. If I was ever going to put myself in that situation, but knowing that my dad loved me no matter what was a huge confidence booster in going into life and doing things the right way. You know, I was just recently reading a book called emotionally healthy disciple discipleship by Peter Scottaro. Um, and he said this, and I thought it was so, so on point. Um, He said this, I have Jesus in my heart, but I have my granddad in my bones. And so what Peter Segaro was trying to say here is, is we may have given our life to the Lord and we may be doing everything we can to pursue Jesus, but we still have this upbringing of culture and upbringing of our parents and our dad and our granddad. And there's a traditional family, family lineage there in which, hey, Uh, You know, this is how the Dozers do things, or this is how the Smiths do things, or this is how, you know, insert your family last name there. Um, And that is something that I think influences us more than we could ever know. I mean, look at culture today, and, you know, you have people, I talk to people all the time, and, especially let's say the military, Um, you know, Hey, you're in the military. Yeah. Hey, my dad was in the military. My granddad was in the military. My uncles were in the military. My great granddad was in the military. It's kind of a family lineage type thing. Um, Let's talk about universities and let's talk about colleges. I mean, you see it all the time where it's like, Hey, yeah, my mom and dad went, went to this university. My granddad went to this university. And it's just like this long lineage of family ties that go into things Well, same thing goes with with our working career and and our values and our culture. You know, hey, my dad was a hardworking business owner and he did this and now I'm a hardworking business owner and I do this. And um, you see these ties. um, And that's not true for every single family. But in a lot of ways, um, and I think even more deeply into our emotional and our spiritual uh, upbringing, we we can look back and see where our parents or our grandparents dictated how we view the world and the lens in which we even raise our own kids today through. Um, but what, what I found interesting about what Peter Cazaro had to say was, you know, we all have Jesus, but we all view Jesus in the Bible through a different lens. And a lot of times that lens is through our upbringing and how we were brought up by our parents and even grandparents and our family lineage. Um, And so I just began to think about that. And there's another saying that says we must chew up the meat and spit out the bones. And so if we are to truly raise our kids into the likeness of Christ, we must chew up the meat and spit out the bones. And so what do I mean by that? Well, I'm piggybacking off of what Peter Scazzaro had to say. And we need to chew up that in which gives us nourishment. And we must spit out that in which is traditional and cultural and that which defies biblical truth. And so as we go forward and as we raise our kids and as we impart as much biblical wisdom in them, we need to also make sure that the lens in which we are pushing this forward is biblical and not cultural. We need to make sure that we are staying focused on raising them to the image of Christ and how God interacts with us. See, I think a lot of times... Especially in the American culture, we say, all right, we're going to raise our kids so that they become independent at 18 years old. Do I think that is a bad thing? Absolutely not. We need to raise our kids to be self-reliant. We need to raise our kids to understand what it truly means to be on their own and be self-sustaining and and raise a family of their own. I mean, Scripture even says a man shall uh, leave his mother and father and cleave to the wife of his youth. Um, and so you see that in, even in Scripture. But I think a lot of times we do that and we think of it as— hey, they're 18, they're on their own. I have no more responsibilities. But if we look at how God created us and how God treats us and how God loved us, he never pursued us to the point of our salvation and then said, hey, I'll see you when you get here and just left us out for our own to fend for ourselves. No, scripture is very clear that he's, he pursues us to the point of salvation and then he continually and daily pursues us in our life. Even though we've become saved, even though we have, quote-unquote, become mature in our faith, he never quits pursuing us. He never quits walking with us. So as parents, yes, we have a responsibility to raise our kids to the age of 18 or whenever, whenever we release them out. But that does not mean we are done walking with them. See, I think that is a big fault inside the church today, especially in the spiritual realms in which, as parents, we we pursue our kids to the point of salvation, and then we say, "Okay, good. Whoo, take a deep breath." And then we quit walking with them spiritually, and they begin to atrophy and weather because they are not being built up in Scripture on a daily basis. And so, yes, they may hold this salvation, but yet the world is going to consume them because we are not discipling them. Discipleship is not to the point of salvation discipleship happens after salvation. We begin discipling them and pushing them further and further into the likeness and the image of Christ. That does not end when they turn 18. God did not quit pursuing us. He continues and daily pursues us. So we should do the same for our own children. And so when it comes to raising our kids, not only in the physical realms, but in the spiritual realms, are we able to take a step back outside of the lens in which we view how we should raise our kids and what it means to to really raise our kids correctly and are we able to exchange the lens of culture and tradition and and put on the lens of what it truly means to raise them with a true biblical understanding of foundation and raise them in the spiritual realms and are we willing to sacrifice basically uh, our own name are we willing to be like this dad With the lost son who picked up his pants and he started running toward his son. He embraced him even though he was filthy and nasty. And he kissed him even though he was filthy and nasty. He was willing to shame himself in the eyes of culture. And shame himself in being physically dirty with his son. Because he loved him. He was filled with love and compassion. And so let's go full, cir- full circle back to the soccer story that I said at the beginning where this dad had no love and no compassion in the fact where he was like, get up, let's go, quit doing this, quit doing that, quit crying. There's no crying. And myself in the fiber, who I am was like, yeah, dad, get it. That's right. But the Holy Spirit convicted me in that moment and said, is that how God interacts with you? And would you want God to interact with you that way? And it began to break me because I began to understand that even though I deserve death, hell, in the grave, even though I deserve probably a daily beat down because of my sins and my depravity, God sits on his throne and gives love and compassion and mercy and ultimately gave it through the death, death of Jesus on the cross. See, we don't deserve love and compassion. Just like this prodigal son did not deserve to be called his, this dad's son anymore. We deserve death, hell, and damnation. And yet the love and compassion of Jesus and God covers us on a daily basis. And so as I raise my kids, am I going to raise my son to be tough? You better believe it. Am I going to raise him to run through brick walls? You better believe it. But in that, I'm not going to raise him that way so that he can stand out in culture. I'm going to raise him that way so that he can be a force to be reckoned with for the spiritual realms and for the kingdom of Christ. That is where we need to keep focused. So we need to chew up the meat and we need to spit out the bones of culture and how we've been raised in our past. We need to take the things our dads taught us and our parents taught us and take them and put them to the truth of the gospel and whatever is deemed bones let's get rid of it and whatever it gives us nourishment as meat let's hold on to it and let's continue to raise our kids through the lens of what it truly means to build up our kids in the image of christ y'all stay humble you stay focused and keep pressing forward Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Nimrod Outdoors, find us on Facebook or look us up at nimrodoutdoors.com. We hope you have a great day and we hope to see you next time.